I'm Chuck Robertson. Today it's my privilege to share with you a conversation I have with my friend, Evangelist David Summerdorf. Brother David and his wife travel all across this country preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother David is a former Marine Corps vet, but today he's enlisted in the Army of the Lord. Brother David is also the owner of a one-of-a-kind 1992 Corvette convertible that he calls the Military Vet, and that car serves as a rolling memorial to honor our troops, memorialize the victims of 9-11, and remind Americans of our nation's godly heritage. So here's my interview with evangelist David Summerdorf. Well, a delight to be here, Brother Chuck. So you're an evangelist. You travel around the U.S. preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I know for an evangelist or a preacher, a pastor, that has to be a calling. Sort of take us back to the beginning, how that calling come about, and sort of how you got started in the evangelistic ministry. Sure. I, I guess you'd have to go all the way back to when I got saved. Um, I grew up a farm boy in Minnesota, a beef operation, and I was the first to leave the home back in 1979. And I kind of chuckle about it because I was uh, tired of people telling me what to do, so uh, I went and joined the Marine Corps. And you can imagine when you land into that setting, you probably get a lot of what you were thinking you were running from. But I joined the Corps in 1979, and, uh, and once I graduated from recruit training depot San Diego, uh, went on to Memphis for my electronics training, and it was there I heard the gospel. And uh, I had been raised in a good home. We would probably be a Protestant, Lutheran, Methodist uh, kind of upbringing. We knew the Bible was the Word of God, uh, but I had never heard the gospel clearly presented. And so when I got into the Memphis area, of course, a lot of gospel presented, people not only reaching out to uh, all of us uh, young military guys, uh, but uh, Bible studies, uh, um, servicemen center outreach in a church. And over the course of about two, two and a half months, as I, be, as I studied the Bible, I became familiar with how God thought. And where I once thought you had to earn your way there, you had to bribe your way there by being good or not being too bad, I came to realize that it was by grace. And it was a Monday night Bible study in January of 1980 that uh, I saw my need for a Savior and trusted Christ as my personal Savior. So I got saved in 1980. Uh, at the time, I was slated to transition into the officer corps. I was uh, mustanging up, uh, was, was going to the Naval Academy Prep School, had a second MESEP package ready. Um, and so while the Marine Corps was processing me in that professional realm, uh, my orders kept tracking me uh, in my original setting until the officer program caught up with me. Well, it landed me in Whidbey Island, north of Seattle. And it was there that uh, I determined I should just nestle into that local church for the remainder of my three years in the Corps and just learn my Bible. I uh, was not planning to be in ministry in any way, shape, or form, just learn my Bible. And so that uh, church uh, started up a three-year pastor's class uh, from 1980 to 1983. I just attended Tuesday night pastor's classes to learn my Bible, but along the way found I had the ability to share truth, begin to accept uh, offers from my pastor to do studies like fifth and sixth grade boys or the nursing home. Mm -hmm. And he would just ask me to meet a need. And along the way, um, I just uh, as I met needs and just determined I would serve, uh, found myself in positions of distributing or disseminating truth through teaching and sometimes even preaching. So finished my tour up in 1983, 
I'm a pilot, so I moved to Alaska to help plant churches up there. And from 1983 to the year 2000, worked in uh, really a, a lay minister position. I, I helped plant churches. I pastored. I system pastored. Mm-hmm. But uniquely for no charge. I had a business that paid my freight. And so uh, bivocational maybe is what we would call that. Right. But uh, loved it. And so I had a business. Uh, uh, got married in 1984. Six children. And then in the year 2000, Lord just began to work on my heart about uh, moving into focus time ministry. And so I sold the business. Um, went on the road with our six children. They became an amazing singing group, just a, a wonderful group. I think you've heard them sing. Yep, many times. About, I think they've got seven recordings out there and, um, and began to travel America. Uh, we had a tent ministry at first and now a different outreach tool now, but uh, really 2000 to 2016, on the road full-time in a motorhome, and people always ask, where's home? Well, our state of residence is Alaska, right. but uh, home is really where we turn the key off, nestle in a week at a time at a church, as we're doing here, and uh, just share the wonderful news that Jesus saves. Yeah, I know the first time we had met, and I, was, I asked my wife today, uh, you know, how long we've known y'all, and I know it's been over 10 years, probably even close to 15, I'm not yeah, sure. 15, I think, yeah. is 15 years, maybe close. Yeah, and right I remember, there. you know, it was you and your wife and your six kids. All in that motorhome. Yes. You know, and, and growing up, you know, I've been in church all my life. I've seen evangelists. Uh, a lot of evangelists that I knew were, uh, you know, the wife and kids stayed home, and the evangelist was on the road all week long. Yeah. And I know that can put a stress on a family and all sure. their life, that kind of stuff. And then you're sort of on the other end. You and your wife and all your children are with you all the time in the motorhome. That's also got to be a little stressful <laughs> there, too, I would think. So you homeschooled your kids? Homeschooled them. Everything through? All, all the way through, some of them even through college. Wow. And uh, so all six are out on their own now. Right. And uh, we have um, one daughter, who critical care nurse, another one, uh, she's an elementary teacher, Um uh, two of our daughters on staff at Hope Children's Home, mm-hmm. uh, and one of them graduated nuclear med down here in uh, Tampa. Uh, our son, Kevin, is a uh, non-destructive uh, supervisor, non-destructive mental testing supervisor, NDT guy up in Baltimore. And then our youngest, he's running semi-trucks uh, around uh, South Central Anchorage. So he got his CDL, he's 23, and he's a semi-truck driver up really in the place where he was born and raised. Right. So, uh, yeah, they're doing well. The oldest three are married. We uh, have seven grandchildren now. Wow. And the, and the oldest grandchild's only five. So it really is. This, this summer we went to Washington, D.C. They all met us. We, uh, we met them, I should say. And they all gathered all the grandchildren and, and the married children. And we went to the zoo. And I thought, well, how unique. The zoo is going to the zoo because you have seven of them, five and under. The energy level is unbelievable. But, but Deb and I love it. We love it. Yeah, like I said, I, I remember when y'all would come. Like I said, your kids are very talented. Um, you know, all the musicians. Yes. Sang well. Uh, you mentioned you've got. They had like seven recordings. I yep. think you all did. Yep, they do. Yeah, and it was always a blessing every time you all come to hear those. And but now it's just you and your wife. Just right? Deb and just, I. Yeah, yeah just family. Deb and I. But uh, still carrying on the same ministry, but now with just a lot less payload. Yes, <laughs> really, in many ways. Yeah, and I think the first time the uh, that we stepped, that you know, the children. We had four of the six children leave within ninety days of each other. Wow. So our singing group uh, went literally down to almost zero. Um, one of our daughters would sign and sing a cappella, 
and uh, and she kept it going for a couple more years. But really, for the most part, uh, their sound was gone, mm-hmm. and um, I was a bit concerned there because they were they were just very good at what they did, and uh, very um, a very much an outreach. Uh, oriented group of kids as well. So when we would come into a church, they would impact the teen department. Uh, of course, their music was a blessing. And so my thought is they left, and we went down to no singing. And people said, well, why, you know, how about you and your wife? Well, you know, people pay us not to sing. And so, but we would, we would you know, I, I came into that wondering how our ministry would be impacted because they had been such an integral part of it. But in any way you could measure our ministry, our ministry continued to grow. It never slowed down. And we, real, we realized clearly, and we came to realize, that it was the preaching of God's Word that sure. really was what our ministry was about. And the singing was a nice extra, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it, it wasn't our mainstay. Our mainstay was getting the truth into the hearts of people. And, you know, you, you mentioned that, and... You see it today where it's almost the opposite. You'll go to some church services or you watch them on TV or listen to them on the radio. They'll spend the majority of their time in music and singing and worship, maybe an hour or so, and then have 15 minutes of preaching. And it's almost, to me, that's backwards. Yep. I, I, uh, <clears throat> the preaching or the singing should should sort of set up the, the, the message that's going to come. Sure, after. absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, I think it's a little bit of where we are today as Americans, um, and I understand us very well, but we are uh, much more entertainment-oriented, mm-hmm. and it is much more entertaining listening to music than it is listening to preaching and teaching, especially preaching and teaching that would be uh, encouraging the individual to do something with what they hear, uh, where where the pastor or the preacher isn't necessarily the entertainer. He's the prompter. And, uh, and the actors are the congregation and God's the audience seeing if they're going to do something with what they heard. So we are living in that day-to-day in America. It is much easier to get a crowd for a sing mm-hmm. than it is preaching, and yet it is the foolishness of preaching that saves them that believe, and, and that is what God has chosen to propagate truth. So uh, we try to do three things when we come into a church. We try to, um, we try to encourage the saint. We try to strengthen that local church, and then we try to engage unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And I think all three are real integral sure. uh, and necessary, and all three are great needs today in America. Right. I want to go back just a little bit. You were in the Marine Corps, uh, and I know you have a heart for the military folks today, um, and you sort of have a part of your ministry sort of that direction. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Sure. <clears throat> a few years back, probably about uh, eight or nine years ago now, uh, when we uh, closed out our tent ministry, when our children left, we lost the worker bees, we lost our, our special music, and so really needed a different outreach tool. And so we uh, moved into, uh, of all things, a Corvette. Uh, and it's a Corvette that is a military vet. It began as the Marine Corps vet, but I've expanded it to all the branches. It's now the military vet. And it has all the 9-11 victims' names by name under the hood, all 3,030 that perished on 9-11. Yeah, I've seen this car, and it is beautiful. The artwork you've had done on it from, you know, the stuff of 9-11, the Twin Towers, and, and all that. But yes, it, yeah, and it, it is just a, it's a mobile memorial. It's a rolling reminder. Uh, and not only to the victims of 9-11, but then to the troops that have died in Iraq and Afghanistan, 6,318 
by name or alphabetized on the trunk of the car under each of their branches of service that they served in. And so uh, it is literally one of a kind. And uh, we begin to travel with that. We would post it, maybe set it up at a Walmart on Saturdays, meet the public, give out free movies on the car that we, we've got a beautiful $30,000 production. We filmed a 15-chapter storybook, very powerful. Um, and invite people to come hear me speak as well. And uh, and then, uh, you know, we, we traveled America with that. We still have it. But then what happened is because I got led to the Lord in the military, I really started getting a heart again for those military guys. And I wanted my ministry to expand even that far. Right. And so um, uh, about two and a half years ago, we started a care package program to the troops. And their pocket packs, uh, each branch specific, uh, and then also the Corvette DVD, and then a bullet ammo thumb drive. It's a two gigabyte ammo thumb drive, waterproof uh, bullet that is uh, downloadable. Uh, it's it's probably got at least uh, oh, 20, 20 of our children's songs on there. It's got the dramatized audio of the book of John. A number of my sermons, five clips from the DVD, the Marine Corvette DVD, mm-hmm. uh, including the Ground Zero story when New York Fire brought us in and uh, posted us at Ground Zero on the seven-year anniversary of 9-11. Right. Uh, and we met another Corvette under that steel I-beam cross that everybody's fussing about now. But anyhow, no, it's just uh, the car began traveling America with us. And then two and a half years ago, we moved into the care package program. The troops love it. They just love what we have, and we uh, provide those materials free, uh, not only through chaplains, but through command structures and individuals uh, that uh, want to get that out into the hearts of our, uh, our military personnel. Now, tell us about a couple of the guys that's on the video that you did. I know there was, uh, I think, one general that uh, you had interviewed that was on the video and some others. Tell us sure. about a couple of those Yeah, guys. all the guys, uh, all the individuals on my DVD, uh, again, it's a 15-chapter storybook, about four to seven minutes each one. But there's a number of guys there. Uh, the highest-ranking guy on there is two-star General Ron Henderson, and he was Air Force. He was a B-52 uh, driver. They call themselves drivers, not pilots, but he was B-52. And um, Ron passed away about four years ago, three and a half years ago, uh, but very beloved, very high places. Um, Secretary of the Air Force attended his funeral. Ron was a wonderful testimony. He got saved as a young lieutenant, uh, first lieutenant, I think he was, in flight school. Uh, when he got saved, and um, he just became an amazing individual, great friend of the family. So we have Ron Henderson. We've got um, we've got the uh, Kenny Grant. He would be a chief drill instructor in the Marine Corps who pastors in Savannah, Georgia, and Kenny was named Mr. Savannah two summers ago uh, for his work in some of the tougher sections of the city down there. Really? And uh, and so he's a unique guy. Stan Roach. Travels America with the Vietnam vet. He's a combat Marine from Vietnam, and uh, he's the one who gave me the idea for this car. And uh, Stan is now in evangelism himself. Just in the last year, he's transitioned that church uh, to another pastor, and now he's stateside with his vehicle. And, uh, and Stan was a rough cookie. Mm-hmm. Stan was in jail at the age, I think, 13 uh, for auto theft, uh, West Virginia. Um, in his own words, he was a demon-possessed drunk. And then he became a believer after he got out of the Marine Corps and pastored for 20-some years up in Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, just a delightful friend of mine. And, uh, and so you've got guys in there. Every branch is represented uh, all the way from two-star generals all the way down to uh, um, your enlisted fellas. 
And uh, let me throw one in there, too. Archie Davis, Command Sergeant Major Archie Davis, Fort Hood, Texas. Okay. He commanded 65,000 troops and retired in 2012. He has followed me into evangelism as well. And Archie's just a wonderful soldier. His favorite saying when he would address his troops was the most powerful fighting force on the face of this earth was a soldier who knew where he was going when he died. And that was Archie's mantra. And so Archie Davis, Command Sergeant Major of uh, Fort Hood, that would be 65,000 troops this guy commanded, and he's traveling America doing leadership conferences now. So, yeah, these guys, the, the DVD, just a lot of great stories, a lot of great individuals. We filmed from the Vietnam Wall to the Korean War Memorial. Uh, we, we've filmed uh, Air Force Memorial, a lot of places there in Washington, D.C., Arlington, um, and then, of course, Ground Zero, the seven-year anniversary when our two cars kissed under that steel I-beam cross, uh, Stan Roach and mine, uh, our two cars. That we, it's a 15-chapter it's a storybook that is absolutely one of a kind. And so the troops like it. Uh, of course, Americans like it. And uh, it's, um, it's got a lot of great guys on there. Yeah, I know. I've 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 got a copy, and uh, I've even got a couple of the clips I think out on my YouTube channel from a couple of just uh, uh, the drill sergeant. I believe I have his yeah. out there. Kenny Kenny Grant. Right. So uh, I'll put the link in my show notes from the podcast so people can go out and and check that out. But as we wrap this up. Um, if people want to know more about David Somerdorf Evangelistic Ministries, how do they find out about you? Well, how do they find out more about the You video? know, you can go to a couple of sites. You can go to Somerdorf Family Ministries, and that would be our website. Uh, or you can go to militaryvet.com. And uh, Military Vet, of course, vet is V-E-T-T-E for the Corvette. Mm -hmm. And so militaryvet.com. Uh, and then Summerdorf Family Ministries, either one of those, we have uh, photos of the car. We, uh, you know, if you want a DVD, you can just go ahead and, and uh, you could text me. You could text me uh, at my, uh, uh, or I should say email me, davidsummerdorf at yahoo.com. Okay. And uh, and let me know you want the DVD and just give me your mailing address and I'll be happy to mail one out no charge. Uh, and so those are the the ways to get a hold of us. And um, we we have loved crisscrossing America. Uh, we um, speaking of that, I want to ask you this one last question. You know we've just come through a very charged election, um, you know cycle and you know the the election and all. Um, you you travel all through the U.S. What's your take as you travel of, you know, the, the, maybe the spiritual condition of this nation and, and the churches in this nation? What do you, what do you see out there? Very, very uh, wise question. You know, when I look at America today, I think probably one of my greatest concerns, even for Christians, is that we, ha are, tr we are getting so involved and concerned about the temporal and not the, not the eternal. Um, I believe without a doubt that this was a measure of mercy uh, from the Lord. He's given us a little space of grace here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I say that, you know, obviously there's going to be people that listen to this that would disagree. They would think the opposite. But, you know, I served under uh, Jimmy Carter and then Ronnie Reagan. They were my commanders in chief when I was in the Marine Corps for those four years. And this feels, this has a very similar feel uh, for America as far as the hopefulness mm -hmm. and the, the attitude of 
pride in being an American, the troops, their attitude toward this incoming commander-in-chief. It has a very similar feeling historically uh, as I travel America. I feel it. I sense it, the same thing. It's a major thing that just took place. But what I add to that is this. Now, at that time, I wasn't a believer. Now I'm a believer. And, And we need to remember that this is not heaven. Uh, this is still a sin-cursed earth, and America is still a nation full of sinners that need to be saved. And the keeping of our country is not the responsibility of the White House. It's not the responsibility of the courthouse, the state house. It's the responsibility of your house, my house, and the church house. Mm-hmm. And so my, you can hear it in me because I, I'm, we only have so much emotion and passion to invest. And if we're not careful, we're going to fight for... Uh, this moment, we're going to fight for the nation, and we'll do it, if we're not careful, to the utter disregard of the souls of men and women and boys and girls. We'll be more excited about what's happening in America than the need of that individual next door of getting heaven. And so Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, mm-hmm. shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. We have a space of grace, and we do not want to fritter this away, living for the temporary right now. We've got to keep our focus and our eyes on the prize, and that's the eternal. Somebody said it well. I saw it on a church sign in North Carolina, and it said this, are you disappointed in the elephant or the donkey? Try following the lamb. Yeah, and that. that is, we have to keep our eyes on a king who's coming and be more concerned about souls of men and women, boys and girls, and the spiritual condition of our churches and our families and our homes, that has to be our biggest focus, even bigger than the political arena. That politics takes care of itself if we focus on what God wants us to focus on. Yeah, and I like what you said. It's not the White House responsibility or government's responsibility. It's our responsibility Absolutely. to take care of this nation. I'm reading this book now. It's called If You Can Keep It, and it talks about that same thing. You know, that was a, a statement apparently made to Ben Franklin after the founders of our nation uh, drafted the Constitution. A lady walked to, to him and said, well, Mr. Franklin, um, do we have a republic or a monarchy? And his answer was, Madam, we have a republic if you can keep if it. If you can keep it. And in the book, it talks about uh, Oz Guinness. Some, you're probably familiar with him, an author. He um, come up with this. He called it, calls it the Freedom Triangle. And he says, it's sort of what the founding fathers had in mind. Freedom requires virtue. Virtue requires faith. And faith requires freedom. That's the trial. There it is. And for this nation to survive and be the, you know, the representative republic that it was intended to be, you have to have those three things of the triangle. Absolutely. The virtue, the faith, and then the faith requires freedom. Our, our government rests entirely on a moral people yes it has to we have to be a character people but all morality and character comes from god he is the only true and righteous one and so uh you know alexis de tocqueville the great french observer who came over he came over from the the french revolution he saw america in the 1800s he loved this nation he said and and it's a quote i use many times but it i think it needs to be said more, not less. It said, he said this, he said, I sought for the key to the genius and power of America. I sought for that key in her fertile fields, her boundless or, uh, boundless uh, uh, forests, her matchless constitution. 
I looked for it in her uh, in her public school systems and uh, and her institutions of government. But he said this: not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret to her genius and a power. Mm-hmm. He said, "America is great because America is good, and if America ceases to be good." America will cease to be great. Our goodness derives from our God. We are a Judeo-Christian nation, and we serve the true and living God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. And that's a very specific God that's being spoken of there. Well, that's why I appreciate people like you to do the things you do. You travel around this nation because we have a generation now that for all intents and purposes, really doesn't even know God. Correct. At least like, you know, maybe my generation or my parents or my grandparents' generation, this generation today, a lot of them don't even know God. Very they, true. They know the religious aspects. You know, they've heard that, but that they've never had that encounter, I don't think, with a, a true and righteous God. And that's what I appreciate about what you do and others do that travel around. You're trying to not only minister to churches and minister to the, the vets and their families, but I believe you're also trying to reach that next generation. Absolutely. That's what it's going to take for our country to continue on. Somebody's got to reach this generation and the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's absolutely right. The crown does not endure to every generation, and we have to be able to pass that baton on. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's our future, these kids on the bench, and um, they need the gospel and uh, they need to chase the Lord as well. So certainly is our prayer and focus. Absolutely. Well, Brother David, I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate you being with me. And Brother Chuck, thank you for having me on just briefly. Always a blessing. Lord bless you. Alrighty. Thank you, sir. Take care. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope it's been a blessing. To find out more about the ministry of Evangelist David Sumador, you can visit his websites at sumador.com. That's S-O-M-M-E-R-D-O-R-F.com or militaryvet.com. And vet is spelled V-E-T-T-E. So thanks again for listening. I hope this has been a blessing and may God bless you.